Hi, welcome back. We are finally experiencing the end of the longest spring break in history, I think. And I appreciate your courage and your willingness to meet in unique ways this fall. I want to start out by thanking someone who has done a phenomenal amount of work behind the screens, uh, behind the scenes to help us meet today on Zoom. Do you remember the story, uh, The Wizard of Oz? And do you remember when Dorothy and her companions start to go in to see Oz the Great and Powerful and they're very frightened and um, they see something that, a scene that is very frightening and a voice that's very frightening, but then Dorothy's dog Toto goes and pulls a curtain to one side and the big voice says, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, but it turns out of course that the man behind the curtain is the real Oz. I want to um, share something with you to show you what I'm talking about. There's the, you can see Toto there um, pulling the curtain aside and um, you can see the man turning and looking very surprised. Well, we have a sort of a techn technological guru who is behind the scenes as well. And um, we want to thank the woman behind the curtain. I'm trying to get this to work and it's not working. Thanks to the woman behind the curtain and that woman is Angela Gates. Thank you, Angela, for all that you've done to help us to be able to work today, uh, to get together today on Zoom. Um, unfortunately, we can't applaud in the situation that we're in right now, but if you know how to use the chat for, uh, function on Zoom, you can write her a message of thanks or send her an email. But uh, let me also remind you that if you need um, that information again, our website address is womantowomanbiblestudy.com and you will be able to find this a link to this lecture video there as well as the PowerPoints and notes and handouts and everything else that we can think of that we need to make available to you. We also have a Facebook page. If you search for Woman to Woman Bible Study on Facebook, you can also find announcements there and links to important bits of information and a, an opportunity to interact with our um, group as well. Let me also mention that Angela, our tech guru, is the one who maintains both of these sites. If you find links that are not quite updated yet on the website, please be patient with her because um, she's been pretty focused on getting us ready for starting out on Zoom and there may be a few things that still need to be updated on the website. Speaking of Zoom, there is another reminder that we would like um, for you to mute your audio and video on your own Zoom screen. So you can see the arrow pointing on the left there to the fact that uh, we'd like you to um, make sure that you see a little cross mark through the microphone and a little, a little slash through the start video. Um, that will help you to know that you are indeed uh, muted for now. And um, that helps us to have more bandwidth for showing the video. Later on, um, after this video, I will be available to answer questions, on, at least on the Tuesday morning meetings. And uh, you can um, unmute then, of course, to talk to me. Now, let's turn our attention to what we're studying this year, and that is selections from the Book of Psalms. Um, if you were with us last spring, you know that we studied 1 Samuel. 
and you may know that we're planning to study 2 Samuel starting in January. Since David is important in both of those books, since he wrote almost half the Psalms, and since Karen Davis, before she died, had been encouraging us to study Psalms, the timing seemed right. Also, many believers turn to the Psalms for comfort and encouragement, and we certainly need those during these unusual times. Do you have a handful of Psalms that you turn to in times of joy or sorrow? Perhaps you've memorized some of them. One of my fondest memories uh, is when my boys were preschoolers. They might have been as young as ages two and three. And as we were driving to school each day, to the school where I taught, uh, I would quote with them Psalm 1, Psalm 23, Psalm 100, Psalm 121, and they would quote it along with me. They learned it very easily, even at such a young age. I just wish I had recorded those baby voices lisping God's word. Here's a picture of them when they were a little older. They were ages uh, seven and eight in this picture. But uh, they still, to this day, they're in their 20s now. They can still quote those Psalms. Now, obviously, we can't study all of the um, Psalms in just 12 lessons. There are 150 of them. So what we're going to do is sort of a survey of some significant ones, uh, representative ones. And um, if you clicked on the link, in your invitation email, it gave you an outline of our study, starting with lesson one on Psalm 119, focusing on the Word of God, and continuing through the other topics you can see listed here. The handout that you can get on the website does list the Psalms that go with each lesson, but lesson two will be about characteristics of the godly person. You can see the other topics here, when God seems far away, when you're seeking God, when repentance is needed, when the wicked prosper. Uh, imprecatory psalms, God is creator, God is shepherd and king, historical psalms, messianic psalms, psalms of praise. So that's a quick overview of what we're going to be doing in the 12 lessons this fall. Um, after our time together today, you will receive an email with lesson one on Psalm 119, and you should start looking, uh, should start working on the questions right away so that you have plenty of time to complete them before we meet again next week. Remember, if, if, if you want to join in the discussion with your group, you need to have done your questions in advance. Um, don't feel as though you have to have done the most scholarly or definitive answers. Um, just do your best. What we want you to do is read the scripture. Often it helps to read the scripture that's assigned with each, uh, each question will have scripture references. You read those scripture references, Often it's helpful to read them in more than one translation and um, then answer based on what you've read in God's word. Please don't consult commentaries. Um, I would like you even to be careful about using a study Bible because we really don't want to hear what some professional commentator said about this passage. We are much more interested in your own thoughts about God's word and we want you to actually think it through for yourself. If you are having trouble understanding, First, pray and ask for God's help. He has promised that if we, uh, if any of us need wisdom, we can ask him and he will give it freely. So first pray and ask for God's help and then reread the Bible verses and then write down what you think. Now let's talk about the Psalms in general. Um, after this um, video, you're going to be getting a handout. Um, it's titled um, Overview of the Book of Psalms. 
uh, it will come to you along with your lesson one on Psalm 119. So a lot of what I'm about to share with you is on this handout. In fact, there's more material on this handout that I'm going to share with you. A lot of the material came from um, things that Karen Davis left me, notes that she left me, and then I've also added some of my own thoughts. So it's sort of a composite um, handout. Uh, Martin Luther called the Psalms a Bible in miniature. And Gladstone, a, fa a famous uh, English statesman, said, all the wonders of Greek civilization heaped together are less wonderful than this simple book of the Psalms. Um, I want to talk, first of all, about the title of the word, of the, of the book Psalms. The Hebrew title, the word in Hebrew actually means praises. Every one of the 150 Psalms contains a note of praise. And then the Septuagint, which was the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it was done before the time of Christ, and we, and we can see evidence that some of the writers of the New Testament actually quoted from the Greek Septuagint. Uh, in that one, the word that's used for psalms means melodies, and many of the psalms, of course, were intended to be sung or chanted. Um, and then in English, the word psalms, um, a psalm is a song of praise. So all the way through, you get the idea of songs and praises. And um, so that's an important aspect of understanding what we're looking at in the book of Psalms. Uh, another thing we should consider, of course, is the authors of the Psalms. David didn't write all of them, but he did write almost half. There were 150, and we know of at least 73 that are for sure attributed to David. Shortly before David died, we can read in 2 Samuel 23, the last words of David, David, the son of Jesse, declares, the man who was raised on high declares, the anointed of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel, the spirit of the Lord spoke by me and his word was on my tongue. So when he wrote the Psalms, he was inspired by God. And notice that he himself knows that he's called the sweet psalmist of Israel. So more, he wrote more of the Psalms than anybody else. But 11 of the Psalms are also attributed to the sons of Korah, 12 to someone named Asaph, one to Moses, that's Psalm 90, two to Solomon, one to a man named Ethan, who's also known as Jeduthun, one to Heman, and 50 are anonymous, including Psalm 119, that your first lesson is going to focus on. Um, I want, to, want you to look there for a moment. I don't think that any of you are going to have any trouble understanding who David is, and most of you know who Moses was, and most of you know who Solomon was. But the sons of Korah, Asaph, Ethan, and Heman may, be not, may not be quite so familiar. So I wanted, want us to think about those people. I did some research, and I found out that Heman was the one who directed the sons of Korah. Asaph directed the sons of Gershom, and Ethan directed the sons of Merari. Korah, Gershom, and Merari were the three sons of Levi. So all of these people are Levites. Levites served in um, the temple worship. They served the people in various ways. Remember, they're the tribe that never received a, um, a tract of land. They were given cities, Levitical cities, but their portion was the Lord, and they served the Lord, and the people of the land were supposed to support the Levites. Now, remember that all priests are Levites, but not all Levites are priests. And these Levites were uh, musicians and singers. And um, 
First Chronicles 6.33 tells us from the sons of the Kohathites were Heman the singer, the son of Joel, the son of Samuel. And I wanted to stress this one because Heman was the grandson of Samuel. We just finished studying about Samuel in 1 Samuel last spring, and people may remember that Samuel had two sons. Joel is mentioned here. There was another son as well. Both of them were disappointments as judges in Israel, and the people came to Samuel and said, you're getting old and your sons aren't doing well as uh, leaders, and we want a king. And that was when Samuel was very disappointed, but the Lord led for them to have Saul as their first king. David would be the second king. So the encouraging part here, of course, is that Samuel did have a godly grandson, Heman, who served in temple and tabernacle worship. David wasn't allowed to build the temple, so these men actually served um, in front of the tabernacle, uh, the choirs and the musicians did, until Solomon built the temple, and then they uh, developed their musical um, systems and services in the temple. Uh, the organization of the psalm is another thing that we should consider. We know that there are 150 of them, and they are traditionally organized into five books, um, the Psalms make that organization clear because each book closes with a doxology of praise to God. So the first book of the Psalms is Psalms 1 through 41, and the doxology is right at the end of Psalm 41. Book 2, um, Psalms 42 to 72, also has a doxology at the end, and I didn't list it for the others, but if you look at the end of Psalm 89, Psalm 106, and Psalm 150, you will find doxologies. And uh, Actually, Psalm 150 is the doxology for the whole book. It's a great ending of, um, uh, on lots and lots of praise to God, and we're going to talk a little more about that one in a bit. Psalm 1, by the way, is considered the introduction to the Psalms, um, and the lengths of the Psalms vary greatly. There's one, Psalm 119, that has only two verses, and then Psalm, I'm sorry, that's Psalm 117, has only two verses, and then Psalm 119. Uh, has 176 verses. It's the longest one, but don't let that bother you. The fact that you're going to start with the longest one, you're going to enjoy it. Um, other things that I wanted to mention to you, look at my notes here for just a minute because I've been talking without looking. Um, let's talk a little bit about the subject matter of the Psalms. Um, each of the 150 psalms can be classified into one of these categories. Some are psalms of experience. The writer speaks to us of an experience that he's going through. For example, Psalm 3 was written while David was fleeing from Absalom. Uh, psalm 51 is David's prayer of confession after his sin with Bathsheba. So one reason that we love the psalms is that we often can identify with the writer. Uh, another category, another subject matter is the Psalms of Worship. These were written to lead the reader into worship. Some were written for our meditation, our private worship, and some are written for use in public worship. So studying the worship Psalms will help us to develop a worshipful heart. Then the third area would be the Messianic Psalms. These Psalms relate specifically to the Messiah, that is to the Lord Jesus Christ. Many are prophecies about him and uh, we'll get to study some of those in this, um, in this fall session as well. Um, next thing that I wanted to talk about is the fact that the Psalms are poetry, um, but the poetry of the Psalms is a little different 
um, because the major technique of Hebrew poetry is parallelism. It doesn't really depend the way, the way our English poetry does on rhyme and meter, but on um, those are figures of sound and those would not translate well from one language into another. But this type of parallelism does translate well. And that's real evidence, I think, of God's providence because we can still sense um, important aspects of the poetry here. Uh, synonymous parallelism means that um, the second or parallel line says about the same thing, but in different words. It emphasizes and advances the idea. So you have an example here from Psalm 139, verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? You can see in yellow, where can I go? Where can I flee? Very similar ideas. And then from your spirit and from your presence. Not exactly the same idea, but close. And um, they, it's one of the ways that the Psalms work poetically to emphasize certain ideas. We also has, have uh, another example of synonymous parallelism from Psalm 103, verse 10. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. So notice, not dealt with us and nor punished us are very similar. According to our sins, according to our iniquities, also very similar in meaning. Uh, another type of parallelism, and I'm only going to show you two of, there are several others, but these are two that are very easy, I think, to, to understand and to recognize. Antithetic parallelism is also known as contrasting parallelism. Um, so you can see here, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. In Psalm 1-6, the contrast is between the way of the righteous and the way of the ungodly. The righteous are known by the Lord, they're going to survive, but the ungodly are not known by the Lord and they will perish. And then Psalm 37, 21, the wicked borrows and does not pay back, but the righteous is gracious and gives. So we have the wicked contrasted with the righteous, the one who does not pay back, who, who is selfish, and the one who is generous, the one who gives. You can see the contrast there. So be alert to the, these patterns of synonymous and antithetical parallelism um, as we um, look at the Psalms. Um, now, as I mentioned, the handout actually includes more information than what I've just shared, and I hope you'll enjoy learning from it. Um, I want to end by reminding you that the Psalms are music, written to be sung or chanted, and you may find it helpful to read them out loud. Psalm 33 commands us, sing for joy in the Lord, O you righteous ones. Praise is becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praises to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. Notice um, that the whole call here is for singing and having joy and giving thanks, singing praises, uh, even coming up with new songs and having skillful music um, and shouting for joy. Um, as I was looking at this passage, I realized that the second verse is another nice example of synonymous parallelism. Give thanks to the Lord is the same as sing praises to him with the lyre and with a harp of ten strings. That may even give us some indication of what a lyre was like. Um, now, I mentioned that Psalm 150 is the doxology for the whole book of Psalms, and that it, um, I wanted you to be aware that ends on a note of extreme joy. And I want you to notice the different musical instruments using God's praise as we just look at a few of these verses from Psalm 150. 
praise him with the sound of the trumpet, praise him with the lute and harp, praise him with the timbrel and dance, praise him with stringed instruments and flutes, praise him with loud cymbals, praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And that's the ending for the whole book of Psalms. And you'll notice lots of different instruments and even the human body sort of as an instrument with the dancing and the breath, everything that has breath should be praising the Lord. Doesn't that sound as if the emotions of the people are engaged? I can't doubt that. But true praise to God involves more than our feelings. It includes our minds and our spirits. The New Testament reminds us in 1 Corinthians 14, 15b, I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the mind also. So as we are thinking of praising the Lord, as we study the Psalms and perhaps even get some new ideas about the best way to praise him, we're going to be putting our minds to work as we study some of these Psalms in perhaps more detail than you've considered them before. You're going to start with the longest of the Psalms. Be prepared to be blessed by its emphasis on trusting God's word. In a day when we often doubt if we can trust many of the voices we're hearing, what a joy it is to know that we can trust God. Remember that Psalm 119 is his message to you this week. Revel in it. Here are just a few verses from that Psalm. Uh, 119 verse 12. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. You can pray that as you begin your study this week. Verse 13. With my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. You'll be telling of some of those ordinances, some of God's words, next week as you meet in your discussion group with your lessons all done. Uh, verse 14, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches, and I hope that will be the joy of your heart as you study this week. 15, I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. Um, this study, this whole session, I hope, starting now and going to the early part of December, should be some a wonderful opportunity for us to meditate on God's precepts and regard his ways. Let's close in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you that we get to study the Psalms this fall. We thank you for all that we're going to learn. We thank you for the fact that we can still meet together via this um, computer technology. And I pray that you will bless the ladies and encourage their hearts and help them to grow in you and encourage one another this fall, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now I'm going to be available to answer questions in person.